0: Welcome into a new edition of the Going Deep Buffalo podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kevin Masseri, here with Kevin Syracuse, and later on, Dave Myers of Built in Buffalo as well, to go over some coaching hires, got some things to talk about around Dorsey, uh, and, his, and his new position with the Browns, as well as maybe a little bit of senior bull talk here. Uh, a couple of things that everybody wants to hear about right now as we go into February and Super Bowl week next week. So, Kevin, first and foremost, how you doing? As always, this show is brought to you by Sons of Erie, www.sonsoferie.com.
1: And tonight's show is also brought to you by Tuscany Market and Deli in Fredonia. Tuscany is a locally owned Italian deli and specialty grocer offering an old school butcher shop with homemade sausage, burgers and more as well as a full-scale deli, substance sandwiches, fresh produce, Italian imports, kitchen supplies, home goods, and much more. You can find Tuscany on Facebook and Instagram, and visit their shop at 450 East Main Street, right on the corner of Route 60 and 20 in Fredonia.
0: Yes, thank you to all of our sponsors. But we have a lot to go over today. A couple of internal promotions here for the Buffalo Bills. You had uh, a nice promotion of Joe Brady. Was you know he was kind of doing an interview tour a little bit. Uh, had a head coaching interview uh, as well in Atlanta. Um, you know I don't know where he ranked in that seriousness, but is you know potentially an up and coming head coaching candidate. And then as well as a recent surge for Bobby Babbage Jr. Uh, a linebacker coach here in Buffalo that had elevated from being a defensive assistant for his DBs into uh, the full safeties coach into the linebackers coach after his dad that he coached with uh, retired and then into the defensive coordinator position. So uh, a really great uh, homegrown talent. The Bills have the second youngest coordinator positions in the NFL. So as we say, a total youth movement, Kevin. So how are you feeling early on about the moves of Sean McDermott, uh, to win the battles, to make sure that he uh, gives both of those coordinators a fresh look.
1: I, I really like it. I think it's best case scenario for us as Bills fans. And I think that was a pick-me-up that we needed after how the season ended because it would have been way worse if Joe Brady were to take the job elsewhere or if we were going to lose Bobby Babbitt to the Giants, the Packers, or the Miami Dolphins. I mean, we did not want him to go to the Dolphins of all teams. So I think it's great for the Bills in on McDermott for making this move because you know that Sean McDermott wanted to be the defensive coordinator. I mean, he did a great job this year. And going back to last year with how everything ended with Leslie Frazier, and now he's getting looks and getting some interviews by the Miami Dolphins. So I wasn't sure how it was going to translate into this offseason if McDermott said, you know what, I felt really comfortable. I want to run it back, and I want to call the plays again. Or if he said, you know, I will be a little bit selfless here and I don't want to lose Bobby Babbage. So I will give up my role if that means keeping Bobby Babbage. So I think that was a great mature move by Sean McDermott in order to keep one of his best young coaches on the staff.
0: Yeah, I got a lot of questions already coming in here. I appreciate everybody tuning in as always. Uh, Do you think they'll give up uh, play calling to... Uh, to Bobby Babbage from Sean McDermott. You know, there's a lot of discussions about it. Thanks, Lane, for tuning in as well. Um, I mean, it's tough to assume that he will. I mean, obviously, I'm assuming that he can't, the Bills came in with the appropriate money uh, in order to uh, keep Bobby Babbage here. Uh, but you're going to match, obviously, his responsibility, probably with defensive game planning and putting people in the right spot and maybe coaching in terms of starters. Uh, will he call game day plays? That is a big discussion point right now. I don't believe he will. Um, will he do it later in this year? I really think, um, you know, as well as they called the defense this year, even with some pivotal injuries throughout stretches of this season, I think Sean holds on to it. But I don't know. what were they Did they have to give him those play calling responsibilities to keep him in Buffalo? That's a pretty big question right now. I don't, I don't fully know, you know, don't forget his father was a coach here. So he fairly probably felt fairly loyal that the bills had both him and his father on the staff for many years. So it might've been some loyalty there. He gets to coach with some of the best. Uh, He has Sean McDermott here. Uh, He has Josh Allen here. So it was a pretty seamless transition for him, but I don't believe that he does. Um, But I do believe that's probably the elevation that they probably discussed like, Hey, let's get you in as a first time defensive coordinator. I'll call plays. And then, obviously, as things go smoothly, then I'll hand over uh, play calling duty to you. I think for me is how it goes. But don't forget, like you know, coaches like uh, Eric Bieniemy and others who had to watch and wait in the wings while their offensive style head coach called the plays. Kevin, so what is your opinion? Do you think ultimately, week one kicks off here in September? Does he call plays for the Buffalo Bills? I'm gonna
1: say no because. I'm leaning with what you said a little bit. I think it might be best case scenario that the Bills promoted Bobby Babbage, but they might keep McDermott as a play caller. Because if you slow play it, if you think about this long-term versus short-term, that might lengthen the time that he is going to be tenured by the Bills. Because if he starts calling plays week one and he does really, really well, and you have a fully healthy squad, by the end of the year, he's already going to be getting interviews to be a head coach. So maybe if you slow play this a little bit, you say, okay, well, we had a really nice defense with Sean McDermott last year. Let's continue on with that. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But now we have Bobby Babbage waiting in the wings and he can kind of be my right-hand man. We can game plan together. We'll start him off slow and then we will slowly but surely work his way into it. And then, like I said, maybe that prolongs the interview process for Bobby
0: Babbage where you might be able to get him for an extra year or two as your defensive coordinator. What's interesting is Bobby will have the position, obviously Eric Washington going to be the Chicago defensive coordinator. So very much, that was a little early signal that the bills were probably leaning for uh, Bobby Babbage. If he took the job or an additional coach. Um, And because Eric Washington quickly went to Chicago where he'll be their defensive coordinator, where he was the bill's defensive line coach. Bill's had a fairly decent defensive line this year. uh, Top three in sacks had a lot of good, you know, the development of that Oliver uh, disappeared in the playoffs, which is disappointing. Um, So the bill's, yeah, I mean, the bills are looking for a change there. So, but Bobby Babbage is going to definitely get to hire his first linebackers coach, where his old position, as well as the defensive line coach. So what's going to happen there? Caldwell, uh, the Jacksonville defensive coordinator, who had a really good year against the run, was kind of just let go in a, in a mass um firing there by um Peterson in order to keep his job in Jacksonville. So I don't think he was the issue totally. I thought the Jacksonville defense is what kept them in a lot of situations. So will he, will the bills look to him for a linebacker role? Desai was in here for interviews as well as a defensive coordinator, but will they offer him some type of coaching staff uh, role in the coaching staff as well? Uh, So, you know, there's a couple of different ways that they could go um, with with the way that their coaching staff is going to work out, but Bobby Babbitt will have an initial say, most likely with Sean McDermott. Obviously, um, with who is going to have uh, who's going to be those promotions into those roles, or will they will they hire young and hire some of the assistants on the roster? They could go that direction as well. Uh, but I do think that they'll want some. Um, I think that they'll want personally want some uh, more experience behind uh, behind those uh, individuals as well, uh, so just to give them a little bit more of a boost. You know, will they promote El Holcomb? Uh, into a defensive line coach position, uh, there's there's possibilities for that as well. As uh, so he was the Carolina Panthers defensive coordinator just a few seasons ago, uh, so will Will Holcomb's another name to watch uh, here as he has some pretty heavy experience. He's been a linebackers coach. Will he take over for the linebackers coach uh, position? He was a defensive run game coordinator in Carolina. Uh, then he became the defensive coordinator, so he has a lot of experience as well. So will he get a promotion? He is a guy to watch out for. I would assume so, um, as he hasn't left yet, and I would assume he was going to take a, at least be a positional coach. I mean, he was a former defensive coordinator. But also, now me if I'm wrong,
1: yeah, real quick, correct me if I'm wrong. But didn't El Holcomb, didn't the Bills bring him on as the assistant head coach last year, just like Eric Washington? Didn't they give them pretty much the same title? Similar, senior defensive assistant was his official title. Okay.
0: And then similar. Eric
1: Washington was the assistant head coach or associate head coach. So very similar. So you're right. Maybe they just slide Al Holcomb into that role
0: by Eric Washington now. I would assume Al Holcomb takes something on this. I don't believe he's going to stay a senior defense, defensive assistant, uh, but it's it's possible he does. We'll see the way that the, the, that it turns out for him. Uh, you know, he spent 2022 as a defensive coordinator and then had to take the defensive assistant job. Probably is qualified to be a, a positional coach uh, on one of the opening units as well. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on him. And the Bills have a similar story. And let's get into Brady a little bit. Um, obviously, people have seen Brady. He called many games this season. Um, and the Bills went on a mini run, uh, almost winning out with Brady in a way um, in the regular season. And then uh, definitely into the playoffs. Uh, he kept his tenure going, had a little lapse in the fourth, qu- fourth quarter, uh, but for the most part called a pretty solid football game uh, in the playoffs as well as throughout uh, his tenure here, and you know, thus being a wanted offensive coordinator. But before we get into him, if you guys could smash the like button, that means a ton for all of our on-demand listeners on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, here on YouTube. Thank you so, so much for being here with us. Uh, but Kevin, give me your initial reactions of Joe Brady getting the promotion, you happy with it did you want a bigger search did you think he'd leave tell me about all of that as you kind of saw it unfold over the last week and a half
1: well like i said to open up the show i think it was best case scenario for bills fans because i did not want anyone else because i thought joe brady did a very very good job working with ken dorsey's offense and trying to pick up the scraps a tough task considering where the bills were in the season. I mean, there was a lot of pressure on Joe Brady. So I think if you give him a full off season to absorb the playbook and put his own wrinkles into it, I really, really like what Joe Brady can do with this offense. And I have some stats that we can get into later on in the show, because I want to have that Brady versus Dorsey talk. I mean, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole, but especially with the news of Ken Dorsey getting hired by the Browns this week, I, I definitely want to talk about those two coordinators because uh, the numbers are very interesting. But um, what I will say, just to wrap everything up here and tie it into one, the Bills have two of the best young-minded coordinators. Now, you have Joe Brady, who's 34 years old, as your offensive coordinator. Bobby Babbage, who is 40 years old, is your defensive coordinator. That is Well, the definition of the show tonight, a youth movement. And I think that could be setting us up for a youth movement within the roster itself, because I think it's important that this team grows and adapts and realizes that as much as you want to run it back, you can't just run it back with the same pieces year after year. And that goes for the coaching staff as long as the, the players, too. So this could be the start of the Bills trying to get younger this year, and I just think It's going to work out for both sides because, I mean, take Bobby Babbage, for example. He relates so well to these players, considering he was here since 2017. And you could look at his dad at that, and this is not a knock on his dad because he did a great job in his time here, too. But that's a perfect example of how the Bills kept it within house, within the same system, but they got younger and now they are benefiting from it. Because I just think that Bobby Babbage has that that factor where he knows the X's and the O's and he can relate to these players. That's not to say that his dad couldn't, but it's just natural when you are only 5, 10, 15 years older than most of your players, you naturally can communicate and relate to them better. So I think from the macro point of view here that
0: I, I really liked what I saw over these last few days from the Bills. Same. And I mean, I think the Bills did everything they could to continue this continuity and also give some new fresh perspective. As once again, Al Holcomb, Al Holcomb was going to step in here, most likely, I would assume. And then offensively, you know, there's a similar kind of story here on the offensive side of the ball now with Mike Shula. Does Mike Shula step in to be quarterback's coaches? He has a pretty extensive uh, background. Will he stay a senior offensive assistant? As I've stated a few times, uh, the Bills really like these past head coaches and past coordinators and past um, everything to be in these roles. Like They like to have these kind of this kind of talent here on the staff. Um, so will Mike Shula step in a quarterback coach? Probably you'll see Ella Holcomb and Shula uh, go into those open positional coaches and then maybe one outside hire there for um, D-line or linebackers coach. Uh, I think this is kind of where uh, the Bills are at, in my opinion. Uh, But they do have Shulo, who's been the head coach at Alabama. Um, You know, he's quarterback coach in Jacksonville and Carolina for a bit. You know, Benny was the Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator from 2013 to 2017. So he was a coordinator with Sean McDermott. He was the offensive coordinator when Sean was the defensive coordinator in Carolina. There probably is. Um, some loyalty there to give him the quarterbacks coach at least position. He's more than qualified for that role uh, at this stage. Um, so it'd be pretty interesting to see if he does get the promotion uh, and what he's going to be able to do. But I'm sh- I'm assuming Josh has some type of say, definitely into the quarterback coach um, position. And we'll see how that kind of plays out over the next couple of days. But um, do you think that Josh should continue to have power in the, in saying this? It does seem like he then endorsed Brady will he probably have power over the next quarterbacks coach? Do you like that model? Or are you somebody that says Josh Allen uh, should just be, um, it should be more somebody that uh, can tell him that the hard truth, like where do you stand on quarterbacks in general and Josh Allen being able to kind of start picking their coaches and coordinators? I think it's a fine line that you have to balance because if it's
1: your franchise quarterback, you definitely want to get his input, but at the same time, you don't want to give him too much power where he calls the shots because That's happened in a lot of cases where the quarterback is face of the franchise, the star of the city. He has keys to the city. He can do whatever he wants. And then it goes right to his head and he's calling the shots and then it backfires. So I think it's important that they take Josh Allen's input, but then they say, okay, let's hear what you had to say. And then we'll discuss it between the big heads here between Pagula and Bean and McDermott. And maybe they put Josh in that meeting as well. But I think, there's a fine line that you have to balance between letting Josh Allen get get his points across, get his thoughts across, but not just letting him run the organization. Okay? Well, there you have
0: it. Uh, I, I I think that he's probably tracking on having too much power. Um, I think that he had the Dorsey hire. seems like he wanted Brady. Um, and I probably will be given another quarterbacks coach of his choosing. Um, so we'll see if that's Shula or if there's somebody else out there that he will endorse. So I do believe that it does air on that side of it. Um, but right now he's not been given personnel decisions. He's not been Aaron Rodgers level of give me this receiver and tight end and a left tackle and go out and get this player. Uh, I want this guy. I want this, you know, uh, fortunately like he hasn't really been in personnel decisions, uh, but it seems like he's definitely been involved uh, at least with some of these coaching hires uh, across the board. So um, you know, he did take some heat with that when it came to um, uh, when it came to uh, having um, some of these coaching decisions. Uh, so he took he took a little heat on Dorsey in my opinion. Um, and you know maybe rightfully so because he did back them from year to year. Um, but it's time. It's time to bring up Dave Myers and get his opinion on these topics. Uh, and the total youth movement. So we welcome Dave to the show. Dave, first and foremost, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Oh, Sorry about the, the confusion in time there. That's that's yeah. all on me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. We got we got a great recap to start the show, but uh, there's no better time than now for you to kind of tell us what's your opinion on the Bills kind of promoting from within. Does seem like a candidate for Josh Allen, who he wanted. Uh, give us give us your recap on to date and going this direction um once Ken Dorsey was let go and continuing to give Brady the final say uh, at this job.
2: Yeah, I think you know you you nailed it when you, you were you're just touching on the fact that, you know, I think Josh takes one for endorsing Dorsey, right? So he's also endorsed Joe Brady. So take that with a grain of salt, take that for whatever that's worth, but I will say if you watch the Bills offense after Joe Brady took over, it seemed like Joe Brady understood a little bit more of the fact that he needed to put the ball in Josh Allen's hands. And obviously every game was a must win down the stretch. They had to win every game. So I don't want to say it was break glass in case of emergency, but you watch that Eagles game and that was a completely different Josh Allen that we hadn't seen up to that point. Um, We saw it in some chunks like the Miami game and things like that. But um, I I think that Joe Brady, um, like you guys were talking about, being 34 I think he relates really well with these players and I know Ken Dorsey wasn't that much older but um you saw a lot of emotion from Joe Brady you saw like there was a I feel like there was more of a connection just you it wasn't even just in games it was in practice you could tell throughout the week um and I think he brought that emotion the only times we saw that out of Ken Dorsey was when he was having a meltdown you know in the box when something didn't go right um because they were constantly cutting to joe brady after the bills would make a big play and you could just see the the excitement on his on, on his face and and he was boisterous um now with bobby babbage there's a lot more that i i like about the bobby babbage hire because i i feel like the joe brady hire i feel like it was a no brainer i think they brought in some external candidates um just for a few different reasons right and i wouldn't be surprised if if one of those guys finds a position finds lands a job as a, a positional coach on the team. Um, I could I could see that happening, like you guys were just touching on. But Bobby Babbage was back in Carolina in 2011, 2012. A lot of people don't know that. He was an administrative assistant when Sean McDermott was there. So there's still that Carolina connection 11 years ago still mm-hmm. runs deep. Um, and then he came in as the assistant DBs coach, and then he was the safeties coach, and then he was the linebackers coach. And to me, three names stand out on the Bills roster since – Bobby Babich was the linebacker's coach. Um, Tremaine Edmonds, right? I think a lot of Bill's Mafia was divided on Tremaine Edmonds. Um, Either you liked him or you didn't. A lot of the purists really liked him because they understood what he meant to the defense, and then there was people that were waiting for splash plays and waiting for all the tackle for losses and all this stuff. Um, But Tremaine Edmonds had his best season with Bobby Babbage as his linebacker's coach, and Matt Milano, say what you want, Matt Milano is an all pro I think either way, but he was an all pro that season as well. So, you know, he was able to, you know, harness all of that, you know, that talent from Tremaine Edmonds and get it to rise to the top. Um, then you look at Terrell Bernard. Um, we were all, I think on the fence about Terrell Bernard, if he was going to be the guy, the bills didn't go out and sign any big name free agents this off season. Um, they drafted Dorian Williams. We, I think still don't know what, if he's a, an inside outside linebacker, we still don't know but Terrell Bernard was arguably the MVP of the, the Bills defense this past season. Um, besides that Oliver, I think he was the most consistent player, um, in that unit. And then I bring up another guy who I think is the wild card in a lot of this, and not a lot of people are talking about, but is Terrell Dotson. Um, when Milano went down, I don't, I don't think collectively as, as a fan base, we were too excited about having Terrell Dotson replace him in the lineup. But, According to PFF, he was the second best linebacker once he started playing games until the end of the season. So those three right there on top of the fact, as we know, he was Bobby Babich was the safeties coach. And we, we could talk for a whole couple episodes about Poyer and Hyde and what they meant to this defense. Um, and he oversaw that. So I'm excited. I, I like the fact, again, another young guy relatable to the players, um, a guy who's been with McDermott since he got here in 2017. So. I think there could be a grooming process that kind of kept him in Buffalo. I mean, he, you know, he was going to interview for the Giants job. The Packers job was out there. He, there was rumors he was going to talk to the Dolphins about their DC job. So um, I like it. And I also think that being with McDermott since 2017, he has that relationship already. McDermott knows what he's getting from Bobby Babich. Um, He's consistent. He's He's going to put in the work. And I think the players that genuinely enjoy playing for Bobby Bobby Babbage. So I I, I like both hires. I, I think, you know, hands down, they they did the right thing. They got the guys that have been there. Um, and it's not gonna be some sort of, you know, process where they're gonna have to try to grow together and things like that. So ultimately I think I think they got it right. I, I absolutely think they got it
0: right. Yeah. So do you, okay. So where do you stand in the positional openings? Do you want to fill those with outside candidates? You want to promote within, Do you want some of those, those senior level defensive and offensive assistants. You have Mike Shula, 58, um, Al Holcomb on the roster as well. Where do you stand on what the Bills should do with some of those big, and a lot of people wanted to see change at the defensive line, um, coach, even though they got a lot out of it, just doesn't appear in the playoffs ever. Um, Eric Washington, you know, going to right. Chicago, where do you stand on what the Bills should do with those three positional openings?
2: Well, after the Bills lost to the Broncos and I, I went on the Buffalo Blitz with Lance and I was talking about the fact that, you know, I, the Bills, you know, Sean McDermott fired Ken Dorsey and I went on and said, I think that McDermott needs to surround himself with experienced coaches. Now that doesn't need to be an offensive coordinator. It doesn't need to be a defensive coordinator. He can bring in assistants, positional coaches, but I absolutely think that there needs to be something from the outside that can lend some experience to to what he already has um, and what he's built up over his tenure here. Um, I'm not sure if Sean McDermott is the type of guy that's too proud to do that because he brought in Al Holcomb, right? Al Holcomb could have been the defensive coordinator as, you know, as you guys were talking about earlier. Um, Maybe Al Holcomb steps in and and does other things. Um, You know, Mike Shula has been in the league for a long time and he has experience. So, it's going to be interesting. I, I I do think with some of these positions, I would like to see some fresh guys in there, some different aspects to, to maybe see something that we haven't already seen um, as far as like a DBs coach or a defensive line coach, like you said, um, because back to two, all the way back to 2017, it seems like in the postseason, for whatever reason, the defensive line like you touched on just. In the big games, it's not there. Even at Oliver this year, I was waiting against the Chiefs for Oliver just to have one of those moments. And it just it just never happened, either with him or Daquan Jones. Like I was just waiting for a big sack or a pressure or a tackle for loss or a fumble. And it just never came. Now it's the, the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's you know, the Ravens didn't have much success stopping that either. But um, I don't know. It's it's interesting. You guys were talking about, you know, should Josh have some sort of input on the new quarterbacks coach. I, I don't, I don't know because I think we're getting to a point with Josh Allen that yes, there does obviously need to be a quarterbacks coach, but I don't know how much you need to keep control over what Josh Allen's doing. You have a guy who's been here, who was his quarterbacks coach last year, right? So you have a guy who's now in going, Josh Allen's going into his seventh year. So, I mean, yes, there's going to be times when you're going to need to look him in the eyes and tell him he needs to calm down. He needs to shake off whatever's going on. He needs to stay focused, get mentally checked back into the game. Because we all know Josh Allen, right? There's a lot of emotion in his game. He wears it on his sleeve. But I don't know if if you need to bring in somebody that, quote unquote, has to control Josh Allen. I think it's just somebody that's going to fit what the Bills are trying to do offensively. Maybe add some some wrinkles here and there. Show Josh some things that he might not already know, um, but yeah, I don't I don't think we're not going to get a big splashy name. I saw somebody on on X earlier was talking about Eric Bieniemy because how he would stay in Washington. I I just I just don't know. And maybe make him quarterback slash offensive assistant um, type deal because you know our our my good friend Akeem was talking about that. He'll be that guy that will get in Josh's face. And let him know that he needs to settle down or needs to calm down or get focused or if he makes a mistake and things like that. So I don't know. It's it should there be somebody from the outside? I think so. I think that there it's time for somewhat of a, a, not a mix up or a shake up, but something, something fresh. You know, we we've been hitting this wall of the, the divisional round the past three years. And is there somebody out there that can bring some wisdom that can help this team in these crunch time moments kind of get over the hump. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see, I but absolutely. I, I think something's going to come this week, if not early next week and McDermott will get his staff all in, all in check.
1: Something I do want to say in terms of how much power Josh Allen has in selecting these coaches, we don't know how much power he actually has because just because he endorses these guys, that doesn't mean that he's banging the drum for him behind closed doors. I mean, what's he going to say at his end of the season press conference You know, they come off a tough loss. and Josh, I know, you know, the loss was 24 hours ago, but how do you feel about Joe Brady this year? Would you want him back? No, screw that guy. I'm so mad at our loss yesterday. I can't even think about this. I don't like Joe Brady. You know, like, what else is he going to say? Like, yeah, we had a good year. I would be in support of Joe Brady coming back. I mean, that's a professional answer that Josh Allen will give. Same thing with Ken Dorsey. And for what it's worth, a lot of people were on Twitter at the time saying, promote Ken Dorsey. I remember even I said that too. Everyone was saying Josh likes him. He's his quarterback's quarterback's coach. Just promote Ken Dorsey. So I don't want this to seem like Josh Allen has too much power within the organization because again, a lot of people were also clamoring for Ken Dorsey at the time. And then we see how that ended. So I just want to say that too, because Josh just might be saying these things, but then behind these closed doors in the meetings, maybe McDermott and bean and Pagula, for that matter are the ones with the real power. Maybe Josh, Josh's voice isn't as heard as sometimes people make it out to be.
2: Can I add one more thing too, before I don't want to hijack your show guys. No, go Um, ahead. Let's get it out there. If you see the the story that came out, I'm not sure if everybody's aware of it. I know, I know you two guys are probably aware of the story that came out um, in the athletic about the New York jets and what's mm-hmm. going on with Aaron Rodgers. And basically Aaron Rodgers has had control of that organization since he's been there. He's been basically the general manager. Um, and Joe Douglas is just kind of saying, okay, let's check with Aaron. Um, I don't think we're to that point with Josh. No. I think, And, and like you oh, said, God. Josh, Josh is the type of, of human being. Let's take football player out of it. Josh is the type of human being that is going to say, the right things. He's never going to to throw somebody under the bus. He's never going to try to create chaos. It, you watch him after a loss, even if the Chiefs game, there's no way that if you are an educated football fan and you watch the Chiefs game, you could put any blame on Josh Allen for that game. There's 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 absolutely no reason for it. But he came out and he said, "I made mistakes." And there's been numerous times throughout his career, the past few years where the Bills have lost and it's not because of him. And he'll take onus on all that. He'll say, look, I, I need to make more plays. I need to do this. I need to do that. So, um, you know, Kevin, like you said, it's it, it's not to a point where he's, you know, signing off on everybody and that's how they're getting, you know, things done. He's given his honest opinions after, I believe, after the fact, you know, I'm sure Bean talks to him about, hey, you know, we're going to go get this, this player in the draft. We're going to draft Dalton Kincaid. We're going to draft James cook. And just so he knows what's happening. I don't think it's trying to get him to endorse it and sign off on it. So I just wanted to throw that out there. If you guys haven't read that article, it's when the Tyler Dunn piece came out back during the bye week I think we were all in a state of kind of like, what is going on? Do we know our head coach? Do we know what's going on in this organization? We've been preaching the process and the culture for seven years. And then obviously the team rallied around him and, you know they fought. They fought like hell to get to where, <clears throat> to get to where they got to. But if you read that piece about the Jets, there's a whole bunch of other stuff, and this is all just from this past season. So um, it's in the Athletic. Diana Rossini did a great job. If you have a chance, go ahead and read it.
0: Yeah, it was a great article. I did have a chance to um, to go over it, and it did make. That's kind of actually what sparked the question, believe it or not, uh, earlier on the show about um, you know does Josh have too much power. Um, and I think he has a right amount of power. I think he should have say over his quarterbacks, coach. I don't think that that's where you should stick your head in the sand and say, no, we're going to give you the guy that's going to um, get into your face. Uh, it's a weird place to be, I think, a franchise quarterback when you get into the top. We don't want to argue about where Josh is in the top 10. Um, but as you get into the top five, to, my, to me, he's quarterback, too. But let's just say top five. Um, those, those guys kind of set themselves apart to being able to do things like quarterbacks, coach, definite, a lot of input into offensive coordinator and certain receivers. They may or may not like, look, Josh Allen wanted Christian Kirk a few years ago. He's very vocal about it and basically said, he's the kind of receiver that separates that I want on my roster. Bill's going to make it It Doesn't mean he got him Unfortunately, the difference to, to Aaron Rodgers who went out and spent a ton of money on Alan Lazard, got hurt. And then Aaron, uh, Lazard gets scratched, uh, by the end of the year. So it's, it's different scenarios. Um, he would like to have Christian Kirk. The Bills were in no position to be able to afford that kind of contract that the Jacksonville Jaguars gave him. Um, but similarly here, I mean, he works out with Michael Pittman and there's going to be an off season where people are going to assume that Josh Allen is going to want Michael Pittman all off season. Uh, they work out together. Uh, Pittman has said he wants to play with him. Um, so it's going to be a $20 million receiver. Receiver one, really young receiver one would be a great compliment to Stefan Diggs. Unfortunately, the Bills are going to have to move mountains to do something like that. And they, maybe they do, and that's the only move they make this offseason. But will Josh Allen get ultimate power? He hasn't really had a ton of power in personnel decisions. The Bills have picked different offensive linemen throughout his tenure. He had the reaction to me like he he does like uh, Dawson Knox a lot. He had the reaction to me like he didn't even know Dalton Kincaid was getting drafted. Like, obviously, they called him, and he was excited. He's getting a weapon. Uh, but I don't, I don't know that that was like. I need another tight end so I can run 12 personnel. I don't know that that was Josh Allen's number one thing that he had said. I bet you he was looking for a slot receiver and may have been all over Jordan Addison or Zay Flowers. We'll see how that all kind of materializes, Dave, as the Senior Bowl goes on. But tell us, what are you looking at right now? Are you looking at Senior Bowl players? Are you looking at bigger picture things like free agency, like into next spring, just getting healthy? You're worried about the cap? Like where 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 are you at right now as the coaching decisions are made and we're getting into February and things start to become more real for 2024.
2: I think for me, um, I I'm not a, I'm not huge into like the Senior Bowl in the draft. I'll get there, but okay. I like to follow the NFL calendar. So we talk about coaches, we talk about free agency, we talk about the draft, things like that. So free agency for me and the salary cap is probably going to be my biggest. Um, project going going forward. I, I like to spend it's it's almost like Christmas for me. I know how much people love the draft um because it's the future of the franchise, right? So I love trying to figure out salary cap and I love okay. the fact that we have a general manager that can finally um work the numbers, make it make sense, and he's not afraid to make changes and he's not afraid to do what's right for this franchise. So um free agency for me is is going to be huge. I, I think with that being said, I think – I said this last year that the draft was going to be Bean's biggest draft he's ever had. I think this year, with the amount of picks that the Bills have, um, it's going to be his most important draft. Um, with all those contracts that we've been kicking down the, kicking the can down the road for the past couple of years, they're going to be coming due here real soon. Um, and like Bean always says, we can't keep everyone. So um, free agency will be interesting. Um, we'll check out and see how they're doing the – the dollar shopping at, at the bargain bins, but I, I think there will be um, a couple guys that we don't think about that the Bills might make
0: a move on either via mm-hmm. trade or. Um, what, what are you agency. thinking? What where are you leaning? If they had to make Brandon B makes the moves, he does it all. T uh, asked a good question. Are you? What? How would you feel if they went defense first? But how more importantly, but let's say free t- change it to free agency now. What if they spent their money on defense? that they do clear up. Do you think that being bean bean has, if he makes about I projected between four to eight moves, he can clear around 60 to $70 million of space easily. Um, Do you think he's going to do some value $1.7 million free agents? Are you talking? Okay. Do you think he gets one at least medium deal?
2: Yeah. I think you see a medium deal be a defensive lineman. Okay. Try to get, if he can't, because it's it with being, he's very honest. He he knows that the draft is a crapshoot and it, it it's never gonna fall your way. It does once in a while. I think Kincaid fell the way that they wanted this past year. Um, I think Ed Oliver fell the way that they wanted when they got him. But it's he'll tell you that it's never gonna fall that way. So I can see them trying to get if they that's if they can't bring Daquan Jones back. Um because I don't know how much he's going to warrant. He's getting up there in age. I don't know if he's still looking for one more big payout. I know he loves the bills. Um, the locker room loves him. The front office loves him. He's he's the way he played the beginning of the season. He he would have been on his way to a, a really good payout all um, out, Yeah, because he's so important playing alongside, you know, you, the bills need that one tech next to Ed Oliver. They need that future one tech to play against next to Ed Oliver. So, I, I, I think there's going to be a defensive lineman that that's going to get some heavy consideration. Um, I also think that he's not going to be shy looking for a wide receiver because yes, it's a very deep wide receiver draft. That doesn't mean that Brandon Bean wants to draft one in the first or second round. Let's I'm going to put that out there right now. It doesn't mean that he's going to say, you know what? I'm not going to pay attention to a, a decent vet wide receiver that can come in and help us like he's done before. I mean, look at the the John Brown, Cole Beasley, um, those those type of players that he's looked at before. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to get one of these receivers on a medium-sized deal um, because he's not sure of how the draft is going to fall. Yes, they have 10 picks, and yes, he can – I don't think they're going to select all 10 of those picks. I think he's going to package them to try to move around in the draft. But um, with that being said – he could also use some of those picks in the off season to acquire somebody. So I don't know. I, I just, I know that we need more weapons on offense and I know that um, Bean wants to get a little bit younger. And I know that we have, we have always talked about the speed element. We've always been talking about this and, and beans brought it up too. So I think, I think you're going to see a couple decent contracts, um, one offensively, one defensively, as far as alignment and, and a receiver, um, because you never know what the draft can. You know, it, it might not fall the way they want. And even if they do draft somebody, you know, in the first or second round, that doesn't always mean they're going to they're going to come in and be a part of the team like Kincaid was this year or like James Cook was last year so. I don't know. It's spoiler alert for me. If when you start seeing my mock drafts, I want a safety in the first round. I said that I've been saying that for three years. There you go.
0: There, you, there you have it. So you you got to
2: replace Micah Hyde. They should have done it kitchens, last year. Huh? You, you, know you know what I'm kitchen? saying?
0: <clears throat>
2: yeah. I mean, there there's plenty of them. So, anyways, I'll I, I won't I won't get on my soapbox about about the draft right now. Well, we'll what I will say though
1: is, I, I think it's interesting because you can read some of the tea leaves sometimes based on what Bean does in free agency because he always tries to fill as many holes as possible so that he can set himself up to draft the best player available. But sometimes, if you look into the details of the contracts, like last year, you see, okay, Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy, a couple of cheap veterans at wide receiver, and then they brought back a ton of defensive linemen. They put a ton of money into that D line, and then you start to look at the term in some of those contracts. The Von Miller, six years. Daquan Jones was on the back end of his second year. And then you start to build up it that way. And then you look and say, okay, he might be setting himself up for a wide receiver in round one. So if they can, in fact, bring back Daquan Jones, let's say they give him a two-year $16 million deal. I, I don't know. I haven't even checked his market value. They bring back Epinesa. They bring back, you know, just all these different guys. Maybe they can get Leonard Floyd. Maybe they go out and I'm just going to throw a name out there. Khalil Mack. You could look at those tea leaves and say, they put a lot of money on the defensive line, and I know that they did add at the, the wide receiver position for agency, but Noah Brown was just a cheap veteran. I think there's still a spot to go draft a wide receiver too. So it's very interesting, and you know, you kind of alluded to this, Dave. I love trying to match the money up and the term and the contracts and seeing what goes through Brandon Breen's, Bean's mind because sometimes none of us are privy to these conversations. But you can add up some things and say, hmm, okay, I have a feeling that based on what we did
0: in free agency, this is how we're going to draft. Yeah, and to spark more interest, Dave, do you think that the team could go out and get to get everybody excited? Yes, maybe they didn't think that an option would be available, but all of a sudden Bean walks into a situation to where a bigger-named receiver, VAT free agent, is uh, agent is calling you and really willing to deal. What do you feel about that? Like, how do you feel? Do you think that's possible? I know Bean said Bean said that the year they signed Von Miller. Um, I'm telling you, there's five extensions to be had to clear up a ton of money. You hit Josh and Diggs right away. You do three or four extensions. You cut a couple of players in terms of, uh, for me, uh, you're going to cut Hardy and you're going to cut Strand Neal. The next thing you know, you have 30 over the cap and you have most of the same team. Um, You know, 18 starters returning, 19 if you're considering Von Miller a starter, 19 of 22 starters, five of them already on offense, eight of them on rookie deals. The team is younger um, and they've hit and they don't need to replace an entire roster. Uh, the Chiefs uh, are in a little bit better of a cap situation, but they need to sign their entire defense. Um, they have a lot of work to do on their interior O-line. Doesn't really matter who's on their roster because they win anyways. Um, But ultimately, when it comes to the Bills, someone gives them a call. Let's use Michael Pittman. Let's use Calvin Ridley. And says, hey, my client wants to play with Josh Allen. What do you think? Can we get creative? Do you think that Bean does it? Or is, or is he like, nah, like, unfortunately, we're going to have to do something else? I,
2: I can I can tell you firsthand that I know Brandon Bean does not like to – I don't want to say he doesn't like to lose. But when we were going – when If you go back and look at all the press conferences and all the stuff that was happening when he got Vaughn Miller – and how it was back and forth with Dallas and going back to the Rams and then coming to Buffalo like Bean got aggressive because he, he once he figured out he wanted it, he wanted it. Um you know, Emmanuel Sanders, right? I'll go back to this all the time. Bean was on the phone with Emmanuel Sanders 30 minutes before he traded for Stefan Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders said, "Let me let me sleep on it." Who did Bean sign the next year? Emmanuel Sanders, right? So Bean, he's he's one of those guys, and you have to think too. And I, I know it's a profession, and, and Bean's a professional, and he's always preached to us that we're going to try to be as consistent as possible. We're going to try to make this a consistent competitor, and we're going to talk about the future and it's it's draft now, develop and do all this stuff. But he missed out on OBJ. He missed out on uh, uh, D Hop. Yeah. So you got to think that he's been trying to find that alpha number two. He's been trying, and there, like I said, there is no guarantees in this draft, no matter if you move up, if you get a guy that, that falls to you at 28. There, there's no guarantee that this person's going to, A, help you this year, and B, pan out long-term on that rookie deal that we want with a 50-year option because it's cheap. So I, I wouldn't be surprised, and I saw Curtis Samuel in the chat, and that's one guy I wouldn't be surprised to take a flyer on. Um, but if there's other guys like you're talking about, Pittman comes and says, Hey, I work out with Josh. Um, we've been working out for three years. You know, what can we do to make it happen? Is, is it, is it possible? I, I, I'm not, I'm stranger things have happened, right? I mean, I'm not saying, cause I'm not that guy that always, all these free agents come out and I'm that Oh, the bill should go sign him. I'm not mm-hmm. that guy because I'm realistic. I understand how the salary cap works because it is a real thing. Um, but, like you said, and you guys have both said, there's plenty of room that can be had. Um, You know, there's guys on this team that are aging. I mean, we didn't even talk about Tredavious White. What's going on with him? Is he going to take a pay cut? Mitch Morse, what's going on with him? Does he want to come back? Does he want to retire? Can we restructure him? Like there's a lot of guys that can be restructured to make money to give Josh what they might think he needs to get over the hump. You got a new... You got a not a new, but you have an offensive coordinator now who's looking to put his stamp on this offense. So I think Brandon Bean's got to have a lot of pressure. You know, this is year seven for him. Yes, he's been with the team seven years, but having the seventh draft, there's a lot of pressure. There's a ton of pressure in getting this team over the hump to where you hear it every day. The Bills can't get past the divisional round with Josh Allen. The Bills can't get past the divisional round with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. They, they're they they're kind of stuck in this rotating pattern of just making it – they've 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 hit their ceiling. So you know he hears that. You know he sees all that stuff. So I think he's going to try to do what it takes with what he has to make it work. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see – not a flashy, but a, a guy that you can be like, hmm, I didn't think about that. Plus, we have to think too, once the offseason – in the league year hits, there's going to be guys that are not free agents right now that are going to be available once that happens. Um, and Bean always likes to wait. So we'll see. It's going to be really interesting. And I'm, I'm, this is my Christmas. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Cause I love, I love how Brandon Bean puts in the work, makes these contracts make sense. Um, and, and it's, it's just, it's going to be fun. It's gonna be fun to
0: watch. Now, do you go ahead? Okay, so get your point. I don't know if we'll have you on before free agency or maybe during free agency, you know, maybe run a free agent special or something as uh you will know, be live, you know, maybe run some spaces. I'll do a couple of different things as we sure. get closer to this thing. Um, but do you think there was more pressure? You brought up a good point. Do you think there's more pressure on Brandon? I never thought it this way. Brandon Bean or Sean McDermott as you approach is Bean, would you say is excelling at his job and maybe a few letdowns, whether it's positional or head coach? Um, do you think the head coach is doing what he can with the talent that's on the field and getting a lot out of that and being needs to put a little bit cheaper talent on the field or give a little bit more depth as you saw them into their sixth, fifth and sixth linebackers against Patrick Mahomes, which is a no, no, um, we're, we're, it's interesting now as we hit free agency, is it one of these things to where Sean's got to go to, to Brandon and say, look, I need more depth or, is, or is it a situation to where Brandon's like, Dude, I'm giving you everything I can here. Um, you know what's happening. So who's who's under more pressure on right now?
2: I, I think you can you can make an argument either way, right? Um, you can't knock Bean for the you know the, the Von Miller thing, right? That's no one could see that happening. Was it a pretty outlandish contract? Yes, but look look how Von Miller was playing last year. He was playing all pro last year, and then he got injured. And I still don't think he was right all year this year. Um, but Bean has absolutely knocked it out of the park with depth. I mean, now those guys have to be coached, right. And they have to be put in positions to be successful. But I absolutely think if you look at this roster top to bottom and you stack it up against the other 31 rosters, I think it lines up with everything. Um, and that starts with the depth at offensive line, the offensive line that Brandon bean and not a lot of us were talking about it last off season, because there wasn't big flashy names that were signed in free agency. We didn't go crazy drafting guys this past year. We went with Spencer Brown. We, we trusted the process with Spencer Brown and it worked out. Um, Connor McGovern, like he wasn't a huge flashy name, but he started at left guard all year. Um, you know, they drafted Osiris Torrance who played every single snap, the only bill on the line to play every single snap this year. Um, so there's, I, I I would never throw Brandon Bean under the bus for his roster construction because what he inherited and where it's at now, it's, it's absolutely um, night and day. Now, McDermott needs to get the best out of everybody that he can. Every player he has, he needs to squeeze that lemon until there's no lemon left to make lemonade. Um, and I think he does that. I do think that he's done that. You look at how depleted this team was like you mentioned down the stretch and we had, you know, AJ Klein. So kudos to Brandon Bean, um, AJ Klein playing alongside, you know, Dorian Williams at times. And we had safeties playing linebacker and we had, you know, third and fourth and fifth cornerbacks playing. So I think it goes hand in hand, but if there was one person over the other that I feel like had more pressure. I definitely think it's Sean McDermott. I absolutely think okay. it's Sean McDermott because Brandon Bean's not the one that's handing out in-game situational coaching. Brandon Bean's giving you all the the groceries. Now you got to go in the kitchen. You got to cook. So um, if if I had to, I mean, I hate doing this because I love both guys. I love what they mean to the, to the organization. I, I think Sean McDermott would be the one that has the most scrutiny and is going to be under the most pressure this season to perform. Absolutely. How
1: about you? I see it both ways because I was more on the side of this is a pressure filled season for Sean McDermott because I think Brandon Bean does get the pass. And I think I still am more on that side where I'm willing to give Bean the benefit of the doubt, because I think he's assembled some really, really well put together rosters the last few years. And it's just McDermott can't bring out this talent. But then you see how the season ended this year and what McDermott was able to do with, like you mentioned, Dave, A.J. Klein, who was in his RV down to Florida. Oh, by the way, you have to come uh, cover Travis Kelsey. Yeah, yeah. So pack up your stuff, repack your stuff, come back so you can come cover Travis Kelsey and try to help us get to the Super Bowl. And then you look from the offensive side and you're like, man, Trent Sherfield. I know Gabe Davis was hurt, but if the Bills had a better wide receiver too – then maybe this game is different and maybe we're actually still playing maybe we're getting ready for the super bowl right now if Brandon Bean got DeAndre Hopkins instead of Leonard Floyd and Puna Ford now i did like those additions but i mean those are the different angles that you have to look at this and that's how i start to understand how this is not just Sean McDermott cuz he did all that he could with the talent that he had specifically on defense but can Brandon Bean do better at getting Josh more weapons? And I think that is the one flaw that he has so far when he has never drafted a wide receiver before day three in his tenure as bills. GM, Mm. the last wide receiver taken was Zay Jones by Doug Whaley back in 2017. So I think that is a huge question that needs to get answered (laughs) and a huge position that needs to get filled this year by Brandon Bean
0: and company. Do either of you count Stefan Diggs? Like how, like, no, so no. even though it took and, premier and then a premier draft, okay. Too. All
1: right.
0: I mean, there's a sad, too, that
1: Josh Allen has never thrown to a first-round wide receiver since Kelvin Benjamin. So, okay. I mean, even if you wanted to say, well, Diggs was a, you know, that was pretty much a first-round pick because of the talent level. Well, Diggs was a fifth-round pick originally. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think Brandon Bean just needs to go out and get a true first-round wide receiver a true wide receiver too.
2: I think too, I think to kind of wrap a, a bow around this, the Tredavious White injury this year, what did Brandon Bean immediately do? He went out and got Rasul Douglas, who is CB1. Great. He is CB1. Even if Trey White comes back 110%, Rasul Douglas is is the best corner on this team. He's probably the best DB on this team right now. So that, that part of the argument for, for me is where... I'm going to give you all the stuff that you need to cook. You need to get in the kitchen. You need to cook up a recipe that, that's going to work for everybody. And we'll see.
1: We'll see. See, and that's an example of how Brandon Bean has been great at his job, where you get Russell Douglas and a fifth-round pick from Green Bay, and all you have to give up is a third-round pick. Late third, yeah. I mean, that shows how good Brandon Bean is at his job. And then Sean McDermott is able to coach him up, put him in position, and everything looks like a home run. But then you get those others where it's like, really, Trent Sherfield? you couldn't do more for the wide receiver room? So that's why Hardy. I don't like to sway too far one side or the other and say, this is all Brandon Bean. This is all Sean McDermott. I mean, it's always Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, McBean, as we've come to know over the last few years. So that's why I, I try to, you know, give credit where credit's due and also put the blame where the blame is due and try to
0: look at it on both sides. I think what's interesting, and I had j- jotted down right here in my pre pre-production notes, Trey White. Uh he's come up a couple of times now, and I want to get something on my out there. Um, I don't believe the Bills move on from Trey White. There's two things you can do here with his contract. He's only owed six million dollars. He is worth six million dollars. This isn't a situation to where you owe him an extravagant amount of money. Now his dead cap hits different because dead cap is amount of money you've already been paid in your contract. Whether the bills keep him or not, they're gonna owe that. Um, the 6 million is all the additional cap that is needed to Trey White. Um the Bills are definitely going to rework that deal and they're going to give him a shot. Now, you have a versatile Christian Benford and you saw in the playoffs where they hurt there. On a cover on a quarters coverage, it was a cover 3 situation and Dane Jackson did not find the right coverage. The Bills called the perfect defense against Travis Kelsey. The difference, Travis Kelsey saw that Dane Jackson covered the flat instead. Uh, If he goes back into his cover three, that play is shot down and maybe one of the bigger plays in the game doesn't happen. Now, who's really good at cover three? Christian Benford. That's why he's on this roster. He is a converted, potentially converted to safety kind of player. Trey White is not going to safety. Um, It's not going to happen. He does not have that skill set. Rizul Douglas is a lockdown boundary, and Taron Johnson is your all-pro nickel. Um, So you have a huge cornerback room and it frees the bills up. If they redo Trey's contract, you have a situation to where you have Kyer in the wings. You have Christian Benford, you have Rasul Douglas, Trey white and Taryn Johnson. You don't need to do anything to that all pro room. And I'm going to stress that the bills are going to get the money out of Trey white and still get him for at least a year or two to see how he rehabs and see how he comes off of that. And it's going to be a strong room. The bills don't need to touch in free agency, nor do they need to touch uh, in the draft. So Dave, we'll start with you. Do you think that that's a solid plan? Like I know there's everybody's offseason has Trey white getting cut. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me because the new money that he gets against the cap is 6 million. And I know beans going to want to um, redo that situation. And before you touch on that, Brandon Bean actually in draft value to kind of put a final touches on this number three in the league with his draft value, it's only going to go up with the emergence of Kincaid cook, Torrance, Bernard, uh, and more. Um, his draft value has been insane. He's done as as good as anybody. Uh, he's also really good at free agency. Uh, Con- uh, Connor McGovern was a great find. Leonard Floyd was a good find. You're taking flyers on guys like Sherfield and, and Harris, you know, you and Puna Floyd. You're hoping for the, something there. Uh, you don't really need to knock those out of the park. You're, you're kind of throwing those out there. Uh, but Dave, as you see him going to Trey White's table here very shortly in the coming weeks, what are you thinking? Is this a, hey, man, we got to move on from you for six mil? Or is this uh we want you around. You are the first cornerstone and you're still fairly uh, able to play the sport as you were just locking down uh, Tyreek Hill prior to injury.
2: Yeah, I think too. And and, and I want to touch on your, your comment about Brandon Bean gets so much slack for being a poor drafter. Like, I don't, I don't understand. You want to talk about Kyrie Elam fine. He's still developing. He's still a young guy. Give him some time. Don't give up on the kid. I promise you I've met the kid in person. I've, I've talked to him a ton of times. He's a great guy and he's going to work his ass off. So, um, but to Trey white, I, I absolutely don't understand why people want to release Trey white or try to figure out a way to get him out of the building. Um, If you can go to Trey White, and I absolutely think they will, and I absolutely think Trey will go along with it, and you can figure out a way to rework that contract, whether it's take a pay cut, restructure it somehow, you have Trey White as your CB3. Like, he can be your CB3. Let Benford stay at corner. I don't don't like to talk about moving him to safety. I I just don't like that. I, I know he played some in college, but let Douglas and Benford kind of continue and progress what they had going towards the end of the season. Let them kind of grow together as that CB duo. Um, And everything else you said was spot on. I think let Elam continue to learn, let him get some more tutelage. Let's see who they bring in as a DB's coach. Um, See if there's some wisdom that can be spread there. But yeah, I think, You can probably make some money with Taron Johnson too, right? I mean, not a lot of people are talking about maybe you do something with extending him again. I mean, he's the only, which is criminal, but he's the only all pro on your team. So you can kind of figure out a way to give him some more money and extend him a little bit. Cause I think he should just continue on that progression of being one of, if not the best slot corners in the NFL, what he does for this bill's defense can't, I, I can't do it justice by trying to explain it to everybody how valuable he is. And when he's not there, you can see it. You can absolutely feel it. You can see it. The defense is a little different. Um, but, yeah, I think I think the group they have, I don't think you need to mess with it at all except just trying to figure out what we're going to pay Tredavious White going into 24. Um, and the core group of guys you got there is good to go. Um, the question is, what's that safety room going to look like. Um, Taylor Rapp was on a one-year deal. Um, Jordan Poyer's on the last year his contract. Micah Hyde, 99% positive he's going to retire. He's just got too much health to worry about. You know, and then are you going to draft somebody? You still got to pick up somebody in free agency. Um, Saran Neal, I don't know if he's worth the contract that you're paying him just to play special teams. And he wasn't even one of your best special teams guys this year. Um, So it's interesting. Um, And I didn't mean to kind of go off on a tangent on the, on the safety room, but a lot of what that, what those corners do weighed heavily on the expertise that you had from Poyer and Hyde be kind of being those generals back there, no pun intended, but a safety blanket back there, kind of, you know, putting guys in the right spots. So it's going to be interesting. I I think safety is a top priority and I've said it all along. I think safety has to be first round. If not first round, second round pick has to be a safety.
0: Yeah. Gonna go to you on Trey White here, but to put to kind of put a cap on the safety position, it is a very affordable position. Last year, Jesse Bates got a four-year sixty-four million dollar deal, uh, topped by far uh of the safety position. His cap for that year was only six point five uh to go to Atlanta. But beyond that, you had uh, Jimmy Ward two for thirteen, Poyer two for twelve, uh Chauncey Gardner Johnson one for six. You had Jabril Peppers, two for nine, who worked out handsomely. Uh, Donovan Wilson, three for 21. Von Bell, three for 22. The Bills have their pick of safety. Yes, there's going to be a guy that gets paid. The Bills will stay out of that. But they're going to have the pick of the litter um, at safety position. It is a very safety-friendly scheme. You get to play for Sean McDermott in a contender. The bills are going to do whatever they need to do uh, to acquire a safety. My guy's Darnell Savage. He had a, an amazing coverage year. Yeah, I believe he only completed two passes on his side of the field when he played with Razul Douglas. Um, so I do think that there is some connection there, and he's a seamless fit to transition away uh, when you're when you're thinking about you know going away from Micah Hyde. Definitely somebody to keep an eye on uh, at the safety position. Uh, and then there's just a plethora of guys, and just these safeties just do not get paid what's going to happen to Kyle Duggar, Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, there is a ton of names there and there is no way that Brandon Bean sits out on the safety room. I do think they rework Poyer's deal uh, and bring him back to kind of lead into the next generation between a rookie and the free agent um, into the system uh, as, as he'll hand off his, I think he'll have one more year here in Buffalo. Uh, by all accounts, it does seem like he will be returning. And I believe probably will work a guaranteed deal out that will give the bill some cap relief. So that's kind of where I'm at at the safety, but Kevin, Give us your, give us your uh, takes on Trey White. Do you think the Bills are just like, ah, we're going to move on from you? Are you somebody that says he's still got a year or two with this $1.5 million bonus that's due on the 17th of March? The Bills will definitely go to the negotiating table. What's your opinion on him, Kevin?
1: I definitely want Trey White on this team next year because assuming all the corners are healthy, that's a great problem to have. And we were talking about this before how, I think it was you, Kevin, you said, Right now, you really don't even have to touch that room. I mean, maybe you want to touch Trey's deal, but if you have Mm -hmm. Trey White, Christian Benford, Russell Douglas, and then, well, Dane Jackson will have to figure out what's going on there. Yeah, and and Kyrie Elam, Taron Johnson on the inside. You don't have to sign any free agents or draft anyone. So I'm wondering if maybe they would want to just totally cut Trey White and then re-sign him to a new deal. That's what Mike Janitti of Spot said would be the best course of action, and I'm trying to figure out how this would work. Because right now, his cap hit is a little over 16 million, dead cap is a little over 10, so you would save six million by cutting Trey White. So let's just say the bills sign him to a two year 16 million dollar deal, an average annual value of eight million per year, and then we'll say just for this sake, so the numbers don't get too tricky, the cap hit is eight million. So essentially, you would be saving eight million dollars. But then if you still have that dead cap of 10 million, aren't you still negative two million right there? It's yes. like you're still paying them an extra two so, million. So you're you're you're, 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 you're forgetting
0: deal. the use of void years. So what the what a team will do in these situations, they did it with Micah Hyde, and most teams are now utilizing these void years uh, pretty heavily, um, is now that if you add years, you're able to pay him money up front. So let's use your example, the $8 million, you're going to pay him in cash on the sign of that contract, um, and that's going to get spread out over the course of the two years remaining, plus the two void years, thus reducing his salary down to $2 million. Uh, He's going to have a base salary of vet minimum, and he's going to have a $2 million bonus. Uh, so essentially, you're going to free up that. Um, it's it's going to be freed up that way uh, he's got that 1.5 million dollar roster bonus that the bills is in that number you were using um so that is in his dead cap that'll be negotiated in um so that's that's not money he's due yet that is money he'll be due by the time kickoff happens but that that 1.5 million will also be removed um, from these scenarios and the bills put in these roster bonuses basically if they need to go to the negotiating table and say hey you have 1.5 due here let's make that 8 million up front. But we're going to reduce obviously um, some base salaries in your in your contract, um, and we're going to push out some some of the money, which he ultimately doesn't care because he's due a base salary of eight point three million dollars. So your eight million is probably pretty spot on to where the bills are going to come to the table and say, hey, we owe you one five now. Your base is eight five, so that's about ten million dollars. Um, that we're going to owe you. You have some other bonuses in there, roster game bonuses and workout bonuses. You no, know, we're going to owe you 13 million. Let's reduce that down to eight, but I'll give that to you up front. Uh, we're going to put some void years into this situation. Um, and that's what they're going to end up spreading that out as well. So the only thing that you're going to owe really on the dead cap is um, you know that restructure still needs to be accounted for that he restructured Um, You know, he has restructured in the past a few years ago. uh, He has $2.6 million of restructure. The bills will need to account for regardless if he's on the roster, new deal or same deal. Um, That is what you're referring to, but that is the only number you need to carry over into the new contract. Um, So that's, that's something to always remember. Dave, what what are you thinking?
2: Can you, can I, can you put that comment back up from Roy Collins? I think it said, what makes you think? I, I think coming off of two, terrible injuries as a corner Um, and history will tell you that that position and that injury is one of the most, it's the hardest injury to, to overcome as one of the most difficult injuries to overcome as, as a cornerback or as a football player in general, but as a cornerback and ACL it's, it's terrible. And he's had it, he's had two it's, he knows what he means to this team internally. This team, everybody in that locker room loves Tredavious White. Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean love Tredavious White. And the, the human that he is, the person that he is. He's also now the third best corner on this team. I, I mean, do you guys agree with me? He's probably the third best corner because he's not going to come back to being all pro Trey. He's just not. He's just not that guy anymore. We saw it last year. He was getting back to a point where he looked like he was a serviceable, really good corner. But now another injury, I don't think he is going to ever return to Tredavious White form. I just, I, I really don't think that. And Tredavious White's a smart guy, and he's a football player, and he understands, yes, I am owed this money, but I guarantee you that Tredavious White will take a pay cut. I guarantee you he will. He's that type of person, and he knows what his future holds. His future has just been cut short. So if the Bills come in and say we're going to – try to get you a a, you know a reduce in contract or reduce pay or we might have to part ways I hate that it would come down to that because I don't know if Brandon Bean likes to play hardball like that I don't think he does but it's a serious conversation we just talked for 20 minutes in depth about the Bills cornerback room and how it's pretty deep Um, and there's some depth there so Say what you want about Tradavius White and I know he means a ton to fans. I, I I try to take that emotional connection that he has with this with this fan base. I try to take it out of it when I'm I'm honestly gauging a player who's coming back from two really brutal injuries in the position he plays. I don't think he has any bargaining chips. I honestly don't. I think that the Bills have all of the bargaining chips here, and they have they have all of the right in the world to come to him and say, Look, it's unfortunate what happened. We know what you mean to this team. Are you willing to stay on the team, but at a reduced salary? And I think he takes it.
1: That's just my Trey doesn't have leverage right now. Also, don't forget
0: the Bills are going to give on their end, too. He's going to get upfront money. So the thing that's forgotten here is it's not going to be a a literal pay cut against maybe like Naeem Hines is going to see. Those are going to say, hey, we want Naeem Hines. We want you on the roster. You're a running back three. You're a returner. We don't need to want want to roster two different players. Um, So we're going to give you uh, – we want you. You're going to owe five and a half. Sorry, we're only going to pay you two and a half um they made it settle on 3 or something pure pay cut um, whether the bills maybe give him that up front in a guaranteed deal maybe maybe not doesn't really matter but he's taking a pay cut uh, when it comes to Trey White the bills are going to approach him with two additional years and like in Kevin's example 8 million but it might be more it might be 12 million or 14 million that they say here's 14 million cash your base salary is going to be nothing it's going to be vet minimum um, and we're going to use some of these void years. Um, so he's going to to play the game of football this year for whatever that bonus amount is. So it's not a literal pay cut. He's owed $8.5 million in cash this season on his base salary. The Bulls are going to approach him and say, here's $9 million right now that we're going to pay you, regardless of how good you are. Um, we're going to give you an extension, two for, two for 18. Um, we're going to put two void years in it, and we're going to spread out all this money is going to be in bonus money so that we can put it against each year. So he's going to maybe take a pay cut. Um, but essentially it's not going to come in the form of like a Naim Hines, where you're just going to snip his salary and say, sorry, man, this is what we're going to owe you. Uh, this situation is going to be a little bit different when you pass out um, the contract in a form of you got $10 million and a check sitting wired to your bank in front of you. Um, I, I, I wouldn't say that that's a major give, Um, especially if that is similar to what your base salary would have been anyways. So that's something to always remember about these. Our traditional pay cuts are more for your mid to lower part of your roster, like you're trying to keep uh, Jordan Phillips or a Tim Settle or a Naeem Hines. It's not going to necessarily be used in instance for guys in the top half of your roster. Um, that, that's that's not the tool they're going to use. Uh, maybe if they can't agree to something, they, the Bills could say, will you stay if we take off a million or two? There's possibility of that. But I I, I generally think when the guy has $12 million sitting in front of them, uh, it's not too hard to say, all right, I'll rework my deal um, to the betterment of the team. And in return, I'm going to put a bunch of money in my bank account. And I'm going to go out there and prove that uh, I may be worth more than that. So I think that that's ultimately... Um, uh, what we're going to do but Dave give us some final wrap up thoughts you have for us we really appreciate you heading on giving us a good 40 minutes uh, tell us about what are you working on what are you going to be doing behind the scenes I know you already said about free agency give us a final parting thought for all of our listeners built in Buffalo and the going deep Buffalo show
2: um, well first thank you guys for having me on you know I appreciate you know let me take up I was going to only be on for 20 but you know once I get going I get going um, it's All good. I'm excited about the new rollout that we're going to have here at built in Buffalo. Um, We're going to have some new shows appearing. Um, Akeem and myself are bringing back our live show on Saturdays. So I'm really excited about that. That was our flagship show. That's the show that started this whole brand. So um, we have some other stuff lined up too. um, So make sure you follow us on all the social media accounts. Um, Other than that, I just, I, I say this and I really mean this is that, It's frustrating that we lost to the chiefs, but please, if you're, if you're a bills fan, as long as I have been for 35 years, please do not give up on this regime. Please do not give up on Josh Allen. Please do not give up on Sean McDermott and Brandon bean, because every year that we have 17, we have a chance. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Um, other than that, I appreciate you guys. And yes, I'll definitely try to get back on before free agency. Maybe around the draft time too. Um, so that way we can talk more because um, this was fun. And I, I missed, I missed getting on the the live shows. So I appreciate you guys. Let me, let me jump on here.
0: Well, welcome back to the uh, Going Deep Buffalo show. We're glad to have you. And thank you so much for jumping on. And we will definitely have more of a free agent. We're going to do, I'm going to try to do a free agency panel come March. So we'll, Perfect. we'll do something kind of fun come middle of March. So uh, maybe we'll see you then. Um, yeah, but we I'm really, good. really appreciate you coming on, Dave. Uh, thank you so much for your time.
2: All right. Thanks guys. Have a good night. Go Bills. See you
0: later. Absolutely, uh, that's Dave Myers, founder and uh, of Goat Belt and Buffalo here. Uh, but Kevin got a final segment to talk about here. Um, I know one that you're eager uh, to 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 get into a little bit. We really appreciate a little bit of the free agency talk. We're going to give you guys a little bit of the taste of what we have in store uh, for post uh, Super Bowl into free agency. Um, as well as some senior bell talk. We'll recap that. I'm, you know, I got some things I want to talk about with that next show uh, as well as some draft talk. But as Dave said, for agency comes first um, and we'll get into all of that on future episodes, but we have one kind of final topic to put a bow um, on all of these different coaching discussions and everything that we've had to discuss, Um, you know, Brady versus Dorsey. It's a topic that I think we need to revisit. I would say we'll probably revisit it during the season. Uh, but one last time here, Dorsey goes to Cleveland to now back with, uh, back up, basically be the backup to Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland. Uh, and he signed, uh, you know, we'll see what he's able to do as a quarterback coach slash non-play caller at this moment, maybe his best role um, for, um for Watson and will they have Flacco back there and whatever Kevin Stefanski is going to do? So we need to compare that and and we'll, we'll see how that unfolds as 2024 unfolds. But more importantly, how does it relate to Brady and what the Bills' offense did under Brady and what was different? Why were the Bills able to look more efficient? You know, essentially rail off seven wins. Uh, I thought they looked pretty good in both playoff games for the most part. The fourth quarter was a little lackluster, uh, but still they were they were pretty successful. Minus a couple drops. So, Kevin, let's get us started. I know a topic you wanted to discuss, so get into it a little bit with uh, Brady versus Dorsey. Well,
1: I don't want to say that I was a Ken Dorsey hater because I tried to look at both sides for everything. I know I talked about that with Bean McDermott, but I was trying to do the same thing as you probably remember where I said, look, it's Dorsey's fault. But you also have to blame Josh Allen for some things, too, because Josh Allen is not perfect. But I leaned more on the side of anti-Dorsey just because some of the things that he was doing was just so mind-boggling where it it legit seemed like he was running an offense on Madden. I know it was a joke on Twitter, but sometimes his routes were literally the four verticals that you see on Madden. And it was so infuriating because there was no creativity, no motion, no pre-snap motion. They weren't using Josh Allen to his strengths. There wasn't any play action. and The way that the Bills lost last year to Cincinnati, I said, look, I know they were decimated with injuries, the whole DeMar Hamlin thing that happened, but this team was not going to win because they got outcoached. They could have had a fully healthy roster, and they got outcoached defensively and offensively, and I thought the game plan was terrible. So I was willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, and I said, okay, let's just regroup and try to come back together this year, and you could just see how slow and lethargic – that the Bills offense was. I mean, look at all those memes where Josh Allen had the long hair and he just looked so distraught. And, you know, he was talking about that low positive energy and trying to find himself. And then the moment they fire Ken Dorsey, he's on the sideline saying, I feel like I'm back. And right then and there, you could just see that energy. And Sean McDermott talked about it too. Just the different vibes and the the, the mojo that this offense finally had. I mean, Josh Allen is the dude let him be the dude and i know ken dorsey did as we'll get into the some of the numbers here but i just don't think that dorsey played to Allen's strengths and the offense was just way too simplistic way too vanilla there wasn't enough creativity and if i'm a defensive coordinator it was very easy to game plan on the buffalo bills prior to them firing ken dorsey
0: okay um you know for me i saw the light at the end of the tunnel some of them mat, you know he put a masterpiece together um, against Miami and in three straight 25 plus point wins. Um, I mean, it was looking like this was silly talk to be here in January talking about this discussion. Um, But teams knew what he was going to do there. There it is. Like he had no creativity. And I think the word that you should use, he didn't stack. Um, There was a lot of things that he did well and in a perfect world, his offense was great. Uh, And unfortunately, when you're playing Robert Sala, who's, you know, may have his issues um, when you're playing Bill Belichick, whose team may have their issues uh, now, not a coach. um, When you play other, you know, even Mike Vrabels of the world and to some extent other coaches and other staffs, um, it's not the perfect world. Um, And unfortunately, the right call wasn't made at all the times. Patrick Peterson in the uh, overtime thriller against the Vikings last year famously said they're predictable. I knew what offense they were running. I knew where Gabe Davis was going. And most importantly, there was no spacing. You had Isaiah McKenzie doing I don't know what, uh, dragging, his, dragging Peterson into Gabe Davis, um, where there was no option on that play other than Josh to throw it away because otherwise um, the only one that he could try to fit into was Gabe Davis, and we saw the result of that in overtime. Not really dwelling on one specific play that's strange, but that's just an example of some of the issues that we saw with stacking You saw guys open on the sideline uh, with no one in the middle of the field, hence why they went with Dalton Kincaid um, and said that would fix it. Uh, Dalton Kincaid's a middle-of-the-field type of player. He's got great hands. He can win contested catches, and we saw that from Dalton Kincaid this season. But that's what they decided to do. They decided to change their personnel in order to get efficient on offense. You You saw passing out of 12 because it was more efficient, uh, to get Josh Allen options out of 12 personnel. And you saw running out of 11 because it got a sh- shallow box. Uh, so those are the kind of things that you saw. And it wasn't very creative. It was just a situation of we have 11 personnel. They're playing us for the pass. We're going to run the ball. That was Ken Dorsey. We're in 12 personnel. You don't know quite what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to throw pretty well out of this, but our run, we couldn't run out of it at all um, out of 12. And he just stopped running the ball because of it. He wanted to be in 12 because they passed efficiently in it. And we couldn't run out of 12. That was the biggest issue that I saw, um, and eventually leading to a situation where Josh Allen leads the team down the field, goes ahead on a nice rushing touchdown to take the lead against Denver. Um, and beside that specific drive, that offense was terrible. They were down eight points the majority of the day to Denver, uh, leading to you know people talking about more than just Dorsey to to McDermott. But you saw what able what was able to do um, with a more efficient offense, Kevin. So ultimately. He's going to be able to put his wrinkle on it. He's going to be able to probably get the first top receiver in the draft that this offense has seen. Uh, Brian Dable, I guess, got Stephon Diggs. Ken Dorsey kind of just inherited some pieces, but did get Dalton Kincaid. Now you're going to get Brady, who's going to be able to stack some of the things that work with Dorsey, stack some of his own plays that work this season, stack his running game. He has a fully efficient offensive line that they're not going to need to touch. He's going to bring back Diggs uh, and Khalil Shakira, who's now entrenched, and Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox, So he's got a bunch of pieces already that teams would love to have. And now he's going to get added a a, a big time vet free agent, maybe a medium tier vet free agent and a top end rookie. I mean, he's going to be given certain players for his offense, which, you know, at the end of the day, you might be able to say, well, it just didn't work for Dorsey. I mean, look at the difference that Brady, I mean, Brady's going to be given a way more efficient uh, uh, pieces. Do you subscribe to that, that he only got like, let's be honest, he got a year and a half. Like, the Bills, that's how much the Bills needed to win. And some of the metrics that we have on it um, basically just state they were unlucky. And no one wants to hear it um, because some of the ugly play designs. But where, where, where do you fit in this whole debate? Do you think that at the end of the day, you give Brady some of the things I just talked about? Can this offense take it to the next level? Because they were flirting with four to six all year based on what metric you used. Oh, for sure. And I think
1: that's a perfect segue into the stats that I have because I found these today. And it is just so interesting when you see these together. So look at these numbers between Joe Brady and Ken Dorsey. I'm not going to read all of them here because you can see them, but they are very, very similar. And the three most important, they're at the top. I mean, these are including the two playoff games. So 10 games with Dorsey, nine with Brady. The Bills averaged 26.2 points with Dorsey, just over 27 with Brady. And then also with Brady, they averaged, what, eight more yards than with Dorsey? Very, very similar. Touchdowns, they had more with Dorsey than with Brady. But the key is, at the end, the turnovers. 18 turnovers with Ken Dorsey, only nine with Brady. And I think this kind of transitions us into what I wanted to say about Joe Brady. Because the other key stat right there is a rushing yards. And you alluded to this, Kevin, 161.2 rushing yards per game under Joe Brady, only 116.5 with Ken Dorsey. So I think that is the key difference right there. When you have Ken Dorsey, who called 60%, 64% of the plays were passing plays, only 36% of the time they're running. And then you go to Joe Brady, he called a passing play on 54% of the plays, And then runs were 46%. So he was very well balanced. And I think that was what the Bills needed. Because then you could see how they would milk out these long, sustaining drives. And then they would play that complimentary complimentary football that McDermott always talks about. And one of the key games was in Los Angeles when they had to run the clock out. Or maybe even a better example against Dallas. They just... Round and pound all day. And that's how they beat the Cowboys. Josh Allen really didn't have to do that much because it was James Cook show. And then I know Josh Allen had to do a little bit more against the Chargers, but again, I just remember those long sustaining drives. And then they turn it over to the defense, let them do the job, game over. And they even went on those long sustaining drives against Kansas City. I like the game plan. It's just they didn't execute in the end. So I think that's the biggest difference right there when. Joe Brady took over, he started to utilize his running backs. He started to throw to James Cook. He knew how to use Ty Johnson or Latavius Murray or Leonard Fournette when he was in. Khalil Shakir, if you look at his numbers, Shakir skyrocketed after Joe Brady took over. He was essentially a nobody before. Same with Dalton Kincaid. Now, I know he had some good games under Ken Dorsey, but for the first five or six weeks of the year, we were like, really? You traded up to get this guy and now you don't know how to use him? So he took off after Joe Brady took over. So I think that is my biggest takeaway right there. That was like the definition of the argument when Ken Dorsey was such a polarizing figure here. People kept pointing to the numbers and the DVOA, they like all this stuff. And well, the numbers are there. Look at they're they're averaging 370 yards per game and they they're scoring 30 touchdowns and 26 points per game. Well, what more do you want? Well, I want you to understand how to use the the players that are on your roster, and I want you to understand how to throw to your running backs and try to get everyone involved, and I think that's what Joe Brady did. And to your point, he has a full offseason to put his own wrinkles into it. You would think that Brandon Bean is going to build up the wide receiver room for him. You run it back with the same offensive line. You have Josh Allen again. Hopefully, he's going to be 100% healthy with that shoulder, and I am feeling very good
0: about this Joe Brady hire. I'll say some circumstances worked in his favor. The turnovers is not Ken Dorsey didn't say, go Josh. Allen go turn the ball over. Um, yes. You can say, well, they ran 11 and a half times more per game. That's going to reduce your turnovers. In theory, you're not throwing the ball as much. That means you're not trusting Josh Allen. Though you're saying it's a Josh Allen problem, which it's not. Ultimately, there is some luck factor in some of this. He had very limited in, in turnover worthy plays. And, and unfortunately some didn't go his way. Um, so you can point directly to the nine and 18 down there and say, well, I mean, it's just the way it crumbled as crunch time happened and Josh Allen cleaned some stuff up himself and some execution came. He started to 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 get better as the season went on. Um, You know, would that have happened under Dorsey? There's no way to know. So in his defense, uh, we don't know what would have happened in that turnover margin in the second half of the season anyways. But, uh, you know, we didn't need to find out, I guess. So we don't really need to know uh, how and, lucky or unlucky that is.
1: And that's a point that I was trying to make where you have to look at it from both sides and say – Did Ken Dorsey turn the ball over? No, it was Josh. But did he put his players in the best position for Josh to make a throw? And that's where it comes back. And you have to have that nuanced conversation here and that nuanced thinking, because to your point about Patrick Peterson saying, I knew where it was going because Gabe Davis only runs the same three routes. And to your other point about how there was just no spacing with Ken Dorsey's offense. Well, when you make Josh Allen try to fit in these tight windows and say, we're going to be smart and conservative you essentially want to just hit the gas pedal and say, go, go, go. And they both had that quarterback mindset where it's like, we want to throw all over these teams. That is why you start to see more of these turnovers. Now I will say, if you look at Stefan Diggs, I'll say something good about uh, Dorsey here. Cause I don't want to seem like I'm just ragging on him the whole time. Diggs's numbers were great under Dorsey. And then they totally tailed off with Joe Brady. So I think that is going to be one of the main things that Brady has to work on is, understanding how to involve Stefan Diggs more and they, they went with that wide receiver screen a lot. I don't like that. I think Diggs is best in the intermediate routes, 10, 15, 20 yard routes. You go get a speed demon who can take the top off the defense and that will make the wide receiver room very well. Yeah, that, rounded.
0: That wasn't my favorite um, part of Brady is his, his, his use of his receiver one. Uh, other than that, I thought he was ideal. I thought Dorsey's definitely better at his receiver one, but ultimately, um, you know, obviously, Brady, the turnovers were down. He could run the ball better, but he's, it, it is what it is. He's going to get a situation now to where he's going to get the best of Dorsey and his playbook, the best of Dable, and the best of the Bills players. Like he's going to have a full offensive line that has started the most games together in the league. Um, now, they were the only team, I believe, at the, by the end of the season to play all every snap together. Osiris Torrance took every snap of the season. Uh, you have an entrenched five. My my whole thing is you're going to bring back all nine of them. I want Ryan VandeMark. I want a David Edwards contract like now. He is a useful seventh, uh, sixth or seventh offensive lineman. Uh, very much do not feel bad if he has to step in for uh, a game or a series. Uh, super well as a sixth offensive lineman. He is a solid offensive lineman. We'll see if he goes and gets paid um, or if people, if only the bills view him as the sixth offensive lineman, but. Vandemark, Bates, uh, and Alec Anderson. I don't want to touch anything. I don't want to need to touch that. Maybe take a guy in the last round or UDFAs, but I don't need to want to touch that. That's so such a benefit to not have and same into this discussion. The same thing for for Brady. He doesn't need to worry about anything when it comes to yes, it's not the number one line, but they flirted with the number one pass line. They flirted with top 10 run blocking line. Uh, That's a nice bonus to not have to worry at all as stress at all about as an offensive coordinator, which Dorsey did. He had a hurt right tackle. Uh, He didn't get anything from Roger Saffold. So he definitely had to worry about some of the offensive line issues uh, in his tenure that Brady is now not having to worry about uh, into his situation. And he's also going to get a more developed James Cook, a more developed Dalton Kincaid, a healthy Dawson Knox, and into the system Khalil Shakir. He can think about all offseason how he's going to use Stephon Diggs. And he's going to be adding another receiver that that he picks, and probably a high end rookie. So what a situation to be in uh, for Brady. And it just in sometimes life is about this, Kevin. It just falls into place for you. You take the best of all those situations. You have the best personnel. You have a good O line. I mean, it may just be a perfect scenario. But if it fits that well, he ain't going to be around here long because all the coaches that had to get hired this year, he already interviewed for a coach this year. Reminded me of Dable. And now a situation to where, um, you know, all that's left really is Ben Johnson, who didn't get a didn't get a didn't get a position. Uh, five defensive play, uh, coaches uh, got got already plucked. So, I mean, I mean, right now, the situation the Bills made to the whole theme of the show, the Bills may have two young coordinators who may be very much so on the path to be head coaches. So if he does as well as I think he may do with his personnel, as as, as referring to, uh, to Dorsey, uh, excuse me, Brady, um, maybe the Bills don't see him next year at the end of the year anyways. So that was always going to be the risk with that situation. And good luck to Dorsey. Ultimately, he's with the Browns. Maybe he's in a better situation to where Stefanski's going to be calling the plays. He's going to have the opportunity to work with Deshaun Watson. I went on a Browns podcast yesterday talking about the strengths and weaknesses of Dorsey. And I said, look, if he doesn't have to call plays, Stefanski can be there, help him out with stacking and a couple other concepts. I could see a situation to where the reason he got the job in the first place was some of the things he's strong at. So best of luck to, to – we'll, we'll be following that. And then another topic came up, Kevin. Will they sign Gabe Davis uh, because Hmm. Dorsey seemed to really like him and know how to use him, Um, and he's a good, willing run blocker. We all know all the pros. Um, Will he or Dable, I guess either or, will they be in situation? I do think that there's a possibility he could wind up uh, as a receiver in either of those situations. How funny would it be to track Dorsey and Davis uh, in Cleveland, and maybe we'll have something to talk about uh, this offseason. Well, does Deshaun Watson like post routes? Because if he
1: does get ready for a lot of those, they all Ken pointed Morris they did Gabe they Davis. pointed
0: to Will Fuller uh as a as a as a situation. So, you know, the the Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins scenario. Um, you know, so we'll see if that matters with Cooper and Gabe Davis. Uh yep, so we'll see how be, that looks. Yeah, yeah,
1: that'd be very interesting. But we'll I mean see how that looks like you said, best of luck to Ken Dorsey. I know I was hard on him, as were a lot of fans. But rightfully so, because when you were given the keys to a Ferrari, he didn't crash it. But he also didn't maintain his uh, composure on the road that well, if you know what I mean. So he definitely deserves some criticism. But at the same time, like you said, if Stefanski's there to help him call the plays, it could be a similar situation like McDermott and Babbage, like we talked about at the beginning of the show tonight. It could be kind of like a dual threat, um, you know, a two headed monster, if you will. Maybe it's the same thing with uh, Cleveland, with Stefanski and Dorsey. Maybe that's what he needs to get back on his feet. Maybe there was a little bit too much pressure, and Stefanski said, look, I'm calling the plays, but you can help me design them, and we're going to help you get back on your feet because we know you you took a lot of flack in Buffalo. Your numbers were good. You had a great offense. And you know something else we didn't mention was you know a lot of people could say, well, he had Josh Allen to cover up his numbers and all of his shortcomings. So this could be the right move career rise for Ken Dorsey. So that being said, best of luck
0: to him. And of course, best of luck to Joe Brady. For sure. And also best of luck and support to our show sponsors. Thank you so much. Sons of Erie, Tuscany, the Summit Center, some of the best autism care in Western New York, a, a, a real good passionate thing that I am near and dear to my heart. So you'll get out there, check out Summit Center. They can always use your support uh, as we've had a lot of support already from, from everybody that's followed my journey. So it's really been appreciated uh, as well. And finally, we don't want to forget
1: about Dave Dangler and Larson Timco Funeral Home in Fredonia as well, where they offer 100% fully guaranteed price and pre-arranged funeral plans with live streaming available. So as Kevin said, thank you to all of our sponsors tonight. Thank you guys for watching the show. Make sure you smash the like, follow us on Twitter, follow Built in Buffalo, follow Dave, all that good stuff. And make sure you keep tuning back in as we will try to keep you guys entertained because I mean, February is probably the worst month. Well, I, I shouldn't say the worst month. Maybe June or July would be June, the worst month. Yeah. But just for me, like mentally with the weather the way it is and after the Bills get knocked out of the playoffs, like February is just such a drag. So I enjoy that we can do these shows, and I'm glad that you guys were here to be a part of it.
0: Yeah, great shows. always love talking. We love talking about um, – Coaches, you know, kind of put that to it was Really good to have both of those hires here before the show. So we could talk about that uh, and we didn't talk a ton like we did about um, the Brady there, but uh, with Bobby Babbage, but we are looking forward. And he's, you just listened to some of his interviews. It is an exciting time for the all pros that he's worked with now underneath buff. I mean, he's worked with numerous all pros that he's helped develop here in Buffalo uh, and, and pro bowlers and really good players. So I'm excited to see what he can do with putting his stamp on the defense. Uh, as well as just uh, Joe Brady. So, with that being said, we really appreciate it. I got, I got one last thing, though. Yeah.
1: I wanted to ask you this when we were talking about it, and I guess we'll finish the show with this. Okay. Now, this is more of a, I don't want to say a joke, but it's just me brainstorming. You know, you see some stuff on Twitter, but then you're like, could this be realistic? So, I'm going to end this way. I want to put it out there and see what everyone else thinks. You get Luke Keekley as your linebackers coach. Kyle Williams for your defensive line coach. And maybe it's more realistic with your Al Holcomb prediction and Dan Orlovsky as your quarterbacks coach. How would we feel about that? Again, it <laughs> might seem unserious, but there could be some truth to that.
0: Jordan Palmer, Ryan Fitzpatrick, a couple of those at quarterbacks. <laughs> hey, here's I mean, Ed here's, Lewis had the interview. Yeah. A couple of things you said, the defensive players make more sense. They're, they're more in line with what I could definitely see the offensive side, zero chance, Uh, But you know why? Because all those players we just mentioned make triple the money in what they do over a quarterbacks coach who I think makes um, something nominal. I mean, that's always been the running joke that being on the roster like Davis Webb, you make more money as the QB three um, than you do as a quarterbacks coach. So that's always been the running joke that you don't I mean, you don't even crack that minimum money. So, you know, Arlovsky runs a success, you know, successful, uh, um, commentary, uh, Fitzpatrick makes a billion dollars at Amazon. <laughs> um, so I don't see any of those situations happening, but like Luke Kuechly is probably the most realistic of those, um, of those situations. Uh, but yeah, like, and when it comes to those quarterbacks, Um, And then, you know, Palmer makes a ton of money doing his own thing. Um, You make, they would make less money and have to be away from their families way more. So uh, that's always something to remember about some of these, some of these gigs. Like you have to want to do the coaching because unless you're a DC, like Bobby Babbage, finally, like you're not making that much money. Uh, You're not like you're doing well, but you're not making that much money.
1: Okay. So Joey asks if Tom Brady said he would come and be Josh Allen's quarterback coach or Belichick, would you take them? Belichick no because he just rots quarterbacks Tom Brady you know to be honest I kind of thought about this because I, I texted this to my friend a couple months ago and just saying it as a joke because he's a huge Tom Brady fan and I was like what if the Bills got Tom Brady to be the quarterbacks coach because maybe he wants to get back involved with football he's friends with Josh Allen they golf together is this the full circle moment that we need to kind of you know Rip the Band-Aid off of the Tom Brady era. I don't think it would happen, but I mean, if he wanted it, would I take it? Yeah, I would take Tom Brady as Josh
0: Allen's quarterback. Doesn't coach. he have ten million on the table at Fox or something?
1: Like, I think so. That's why I'm it, it, like,
0: it's probably not going to be a real. He's not going to pass but, it for five hundred k. Like, no, like, it, 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 it's just zero. I don't even know if they make that much. Like, I like it's funny. Like, but he'd have to want to do it for fun because I couldn't see him doing anything um, without making that kind of money that he's used to making. So. Um, but I mean, even, even more so than any of those other, other guys. Yeah. Is that, is that what it was? His contract 375 million. I mean, that could have, that could have been, um, yeah, it was something crazy like that. So he would probably not do it.
1: Kurt Warder would be interesting. I mean, he's another TV guy. So that's the thing. Like you said, when, when the money gets involved, you think, okay, would I rather be in a warm studio making millions of dollars, getting millions of views, or would I rather be freezing my butt off in Buffalo? trying to win in late December making you know yeah, like I mean, five hundred thousand dollars
0: ten years three hundred and seventy five million um for um brady is there's a zero chance he would do anything if he's going to enter then that um and equally so like I mean Kurt Warner has is successful one. he does so is Arlovsky so is even like I guess Jordan Palmer like it, it's really usually guys like dad Lewis or like uh, uh Davis Webb like that is realistic. Um but yeah it's not it, it's just never really a thing with when it comes to quarterback. You get like Aaron Glenn and stuff who've been really successful in this league, but it's never like really it's never a quarterback for some reason. Like Dad Lewis is probably like one of the better, definitely one of the better examples of who you could go to Davis Webb is a giant Giants, you know, in in the Giants. You know, you have Shay Tyranny over there like Ultimately, like you just don't see uh, they can make money probably working um, like as a big example, Mason Rudolph in corporate insurance. Like, like at some point, it's got to surpass whatever day job that they have um, because, you know, you're, you're leaving your family lot and you, it's going to, you know, there's a ton of money that you're passing up. So ultimately, I don't know who. Um, and that's a great point. Like, can you get someone that was worse at quarterback? Uh, I don't know. Like that's a tough one because like some of the best quarterbacks coaches weren't really great NFL players. Um, like some of them weren't like you know like you even we, some of the examples we've already used. Like look at Ken Dorsey. You know, look at um, J P. Lossman, J P. Lossman, like Fad Lewis. Like you know, like ultimately, just like in any manager position or any job, like sometimes like you weren't the best one to do it, but you may have a knack for uh, for coaching that specific. Uh, and it's true of any, any positional group, like, you know, just because, you know, some of some of the best p- coaches weren't, you know, very good in the NFL at all. So um, we'll have to see. I mean, Alex Van Pelt is an interest. He he is a realistic. I was going to say that, too. Yeah. yeah, he's he's the most realistic external candidate, probably at the moment. Um, There there may be others that I'm that I'm forgetting about, but Alex Van Pelt uh, definitely. Um, But like he met, I thought he met with the Bucks for their offensive coordinator job. Um, I thought he was the front uh, – I thought he was even the front runner at one point there for that position.
1: Um, That's so definitely... Van Pelt that was our backup quarterback and also
0: just got fired by the Browns, right? Yes. Yep, as okay. your offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach. But he was fairly decent at it. Uh, also, he's a really good quarterbacks coach. I, I don't know that I'd put, be pushing the uh, anything for him to be the offensive coordinator, uh, but he's definitely a good co- – he was a quarterbacks coach here in 08, uh, but he's definitely – been a pretty successful quarterbacks coach in green green bay and cincinnati um you know and i thought he did a pretty good job of it in cleveland as well so um so we'll see what ends up happening there with the position on, um as far as the quarterback role or if it just goes to um uh, a, a coach already on the roster yeah mike shula so we're going to have to see, and we'll definitely, you know, we'll talk about that as, as I'm assuming most of these ones that we talked about today will probably be filled in the next week. So we'll probably have some of that on our show next week. So make sure you tune into all that. But I really appreciate everybody spending an hour and 40 minutes with us to our on-demand listeners. Thank you so much to our live listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in with us on Wednesdays at seven. have great draft coverage all season long. going to have great free agency coverage. I'll break down some more X's and O's and I'll do a free agent special Uh, Maybe we'll get a panel. We'll see what happens. We'll get that going in late February. So make sure you tune into everything that we have here on the built in Buffalo. We have the basement tomorrow uh, with, uh, with Matt and Pat. We had the, uh, the blitz check that out on demand yesterday uh, with Lance and Peter Uh, And to all of our shows, you know, please, please check out everything here on the network, but thank you guys so much for being here with us. We'll catch you next, uh, next Wednesday at seven for all of our show sponsors. We appreciate you as well, but thank you all. And we'll see you next week.